Would you pray with me? Holy God, we ask that we could keep our eyes on you, Lord. Even now, God, I pray that, that our eyes, that our focus would be drawn to you, Jesus. God, I thank you that you are here with us, that your spirit is here among us, Lord God. And our simple prayer this morning is that, Jesus, we would see you. We would know you. We would experience your presence, God. God, we thank you that you are here with us. And Lord, what a privilege it is to praise your name together as your church. Holy God, we say welcome in this place. And we want to lift your name on high. Everyone said, amen. Awesome. You can take a seat. So good to to be gathered together for church here at True North. I hope you've had a great week so far. You know, this morning we're going to spend some time focusing in on the gospel of Luke. And and I love Luke's gospel. It's easily in my, you know, my top four favorite gospels. Um, It's it's a pretty bad joke, but it's good enough to tell. You know, as, as Dean said, I'm 35 now. I think that puts you solidly in the range of dad jokes, so you feel free to bust those out whenever you want. Uh, but anyway, I do, love, I do love Luke's gospel, and there's a couple of unique things about it, and even we, we sang a song this morning, Hosanna, and, and that word Hosanna comes from a Hebrew word that means saviour. And what Luke's gospel is really specifically trying to do is reveal Jesus as the Savior and to invite us to respond to the reality that Jesus is the Savior. Now, one of the ways that that Luke does that a little bit more unique to some of the other gospels is that he highlights these moments in the life and ministry of Jesus where he has interactions with, with people who have been pushed to the margins, People that are sick, people that are poor, people that for whatever sets of reasons have been isolated, have been insulted, have been rejected. And Luke, more than any other gospel, tells these kind of stories to show Jesus' redeeming work in their lives. So in everything that Luke is trying to do, he's portraying Jesus as the Hosanna, as the Saviour and invites a response to the reality of who Jesus is and what he has done. And I thought this morning I'd speak into the subject of what it means to respond to who Jesus is. And to me, the only response to our Savior is to be a people of praise. Can we say that together this morning? That was quite good. Without any timing, you were just right there. We're going to talk about what it means to be a people of praise in response to who Jesus is. Yeah, I want to take you to, to Luke chapter 17, and there's a, there's a great story uh, in here that we're going to dive into together, starting in verse 11. If you've got your Bibles, you can open those up, or, or you can follow on the screens. And we're going to see a, a great moment in the life of Jesus as he's making his way back to Jerusalem. And here's how it goes. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Interestingly, that this is a a path that Jesus takes between two peoples that are in conflict with each other. The Jews of Galilee believed that they were superior to the Samaritans, which is why Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan to such powerful effect. Now, as he was going into a village... Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, leprosy was an interesting thing in the world that Jesus lived. You know, we have a a modern idea of what leprosy is. But in the time of Jesus, leprosy actually covered a broad range of issues of physical diseases of the skin. 
And you could be branded a leper if you had a bad case of boils, if you had a bad rash. Sorry, this is going to be a little bit gross for the next few seconds just to, to give pause. Uh, if you had an infected wound, you could be branded as a leper. If you had actual leprosy, you could also be branded as a leper. So it covered this wide, wide range of conditions of the skin, which of course were visible, physical suffering. But being a leper meant more than just that physical suffering. Because what it also meant in the world and tradition of the Jews is if you had a condition of the skin like that, it meant that you were what they called unclean. And because of that, that meant that you had to be isolated. So these men, they probably came from the nearby villages and now they lived on the outskirts of those villages. They'd been isolated socially because of their condition. So they had a physical problem. They had a social problem. But there was more than that as well, because for Jewish people, a huge part of their lives and their worship as a people of God was gathering together at the temple to bring their worship. But if you were a leper, it now meant that you were no longer allowed to be a part of that community of worshipers at the temple. So if you were a leper, it meant you had a physical problem, a social problem, and a spiritual problem. And now we see Jesus, who's about to engage with this need amongst these 10 lepers. Let's continue in the story on the next slide. Can we click over a slide? Beautiful. Oh, wait, I think we went two. Sorry, did you go one and I didn't notice? That's probably what happened. I do apologize. Blame on myself. Uh, but anyway, we'll continue in the, the story. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And this was a significant instruction because if you were a leper and your condition had gone away, you then had to go to a priest that could then declare that now you are clean. You can re-enter community, you can worship at the temple again. So Jesus simply says, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed miraculously. The diseases of their skin disappeared as they went in obedience towards the priests. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Weren't there nine other guys you were hanging out with? Weren't all ten of you miraculously healed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. And uh, I, I think I might have cut off a verse there where, where it finishes, where we learn that, that this foreigner is a Samaritan. Remember, we mentioned that it's on the border between Samaria and Galilee. And, and from the story, we infer that there were nine Jewish men and one single Samaritan man. And it's the Samaritan that comes back to bring his praise. You know, as I think about this story, I want to be like the guy that recognizes and acknowledges what Jesus has done in his life. I want to be like the guy that comes back to Jesus with a heart of praise, remembering what he has done in my life. You know, I think that's what it means to be a people of praise, is to acknowledge Jesus and to return to him with praise. So I wonder what was different between the one that returned with praise and the nine that didn't. 
You know, if we're going to be a people of praise, I think it begins with remembering our problem. With remembering our problem. Now, the 10 lepers, they remembered their problem. They were reminded of it every single day. They had a visible condition of the skin as they looked at their hands, their arms, even their face. They were isolated from community. They couldn't go to the temple anymore. They remembered every single day that they had a problem. And they cry out to Jesus at a distance, mind you. They knew they had leprosy. They knew they were isolated. They remembered that they had a problem. And we can never become a people of praise if we aren't aware that we have a problem first. We just can't. The lepers, they knew they had a problem. They knew with clarity that they had a problem. You know, it might seem a strange thing to say that one of our issues in our journeys of faith is that we forget we have a problem. And you might think, Phil, I've got 99 problems. Do you want me to make a list right now? I can break in my note-taking and I'll just start writing down my problems. And it's true. We've got all kinds of problems. We've got problems at work that we need to solve. We've got problems sometimes in our marriages that we need to solve. We've got problems in the lives of our children and their problems become our problems and we need to solve those. There are all kinds of problems that we have and that we face. The trouble I think we have is that we let those kind of problems help us to forget the reality that we have a deeper problem of the soul that only Jesus can solve. That when all of those other problems in life that are not eternal take our focus away from our most significant problem, separation from God, that is eternal, we forget our most significant problem. We forget our most significant problem. You know, people of praise, they'd only know that they have a problem, but they know that Jesus is the solution. The lepers, they knew Jesus was the solution. As soon as they saw him coming, they cried out in a loud voice. Maybe they'd heard the stories from earlier in Luke chapter 5 where Jesus heals another man with leprosy. Maybe they'd heard other stories of Jesus' miraculous healing, but they knew he had the authority to heal. They cried out, and sure enough, Jesus healed them. They knew that Jesus was the solution to the problem that they knew that they had, and he sets them on the path to restoration. You know, the thing that we need to remember, and the biggest catalyst for praise in our life, is that the most significant problem that we have, our most significant eternal problem of sin and separation from God, that problem that in some degree defines each one of us, that we are thoroughly separated from the holiness of our divine creator. That problem is past tense because Jesus is the solution. That Jesus went to the cross, that that huge problem that I had in the depths of my soul, the biggest problem that I've ever had, the biggest problem that I will ever have is past tense. It's not a problem that I have right now. It's a problem that once I did have before I met Jesus and he was the solution to the problem of my soul. That's where praise comes from. 
When we remember that in our being, we have a problem that separates us from the holiness of God and that Jesus was and is the solution to that problem. The leper that returned, he knew that. He knew Jesus was the solution. And he returns with praise. You know, a little bit further on. And I want to take you back to Luke 17, 15 to 16 for a moment. Can we, can we pull that up? And it says this. Sorry, could I have the next one? My mistake again. One of them, this is a Samaritan, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He knew he had a problem. His problem's now gone. He knew Jesus was the solution. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. You know, if we're going to be a people of praise, we need to return with praise. We need to return to God with praise. We become aware of that problem that separates us from God. We become aware and remember that that problem is solved in Jesus' name. We need to learn what it means to return with praise. But only one comes back. Only one comes back in this story. One out of the ten, as he's on his way to the priest, realizes that he's been miraculously healed and is overjoyed. And you could imagine as they were walking that path towards the priest, we don't know how far they got before the miracle of healing took place, but there must have been an interaction amongst the ten guys. There must have been. Imagine you've been living together, isolated as lepers for for a certain period in your life. All of a sudden, all at the same moment, you're miraculously healed. Imagine what it would have been like. The guys that you're sitting with on the outskirts of the village, suffering physically, socially, spiritually, and in one moment, you've been redeemed and renewed. And only one of the ten in that moment says, whoa, Jesus has healed us. We need to go and praise him. And the other nine, they keep walking towards the priest. The other nine Jewish lepers, not lepers anymore just Jewish guys, keep walking to the priest. Only one goes back. I wonder if he said to the other night, come on, we got to thank Jesus. we got to praise him. This is amazing. And he returns to Jesus with praise. Now, I wonder why only one of the 10 comes back with praise. Only one out of the 10 that have experienced the miracle of Jesus in their life acknowledge it and return with praise. You know, this is a great question that comes out of this passage to layer over our own experience of faith. What is it that prevents me from being a person of praise? That after coming to the the understanding of what Christ has done in my life, what prevents me from being a person of praise? You know, I think about the experience of these 10 guys. I imagine who they might have been. And I start to wonder some of the things that may have prevented them from coming back to Jesus with praise. Why did only one of the ten come back? Perhaps there was a wrestle amongst them between a transaction and a transformation. That when we think about who we are in connection with God and what inspires praise in our life, are we transactional 
in the way that we relate to God? Or are our lives transformed by being connected to God? You know, I want to take you to something interesting in the Scripture. There's a phrase that's used in this passage, and we've heard it, a loud voice. And you see it two times in this passage. The first is right at the start, where all ten of the guys with leprosy, they cry out in their need with a loud voice to Jesus. So, Master, have pity on us. They cry out with a loud voice. But then only one comes back with a loud voice, that same phrase again, of praise. Only one comes back with a loud voice of praise. You know, I wonder if the other nine, if all they wanted was that transaction. They, God, I have a need. God, I need you to meet that need. And that's all I want. And so they kept walking to the priest. That transaction had been completed in their lives. God, you've done what I wanted you to do. Now I'm going to go to the priest and continue on with my life. They were looking for a transaction. But then the one that returned, I believe, experienced the start of a transformation in his life. And you know what the difference is? The simple difference between an attitude of transaction towards our relationship with God and a reality of transformation in our relationship with God, it's just a loud voice of praise. It's the only difference between the nine and the one, a loud voice of praise. They all had a loud voice in their need, but only one had a loud voice in their gratitude, in their worship, in their praise. And that's the difference between a transaction and a transformation. Acknowledging God, what He's done, and praising His name. And a transformation begins in the life of the Samaritan. I wonder what else might have prevented the other nine from returning to Jesus with praise. You know, we infer from the story that nine were Jews and one was a Samaritan. In Jesus' surprise, only this foreigner, this Samaritan, has come back with praise. Where are the other nine? Remembering that the Jewish people, they knew very well in their history, in their culture, in their faith, that God historically was their great provider treasured stories of the the exodus, God's provision in so many different ways in their history. It was a part of their identity that God was the provider. This is why Jesus is so stunned. Jewish people, my holy chosen people, have been their provision throughout their history. And only you, the Samaritan, comes back with praise. You know, I wonder if there was another wrestle at work here of entitlement versus expectation. That again, all ten, they cry out with that loud voice in their need. And I wonder if the nine Jewish guys that have this encounter with Jesus, they're restored, they're redeemed. I wonder if they had an attitude that was something like this. Yep, God's my God. He did exactly what He should do. I asked for God to do this in my life. He did it, and that is what God should do. He should listen to my prayers, and He should do what I ask. I'm His people, after all. We're Jews. This is what God should do for us. He should provide. 
I wonder if there was a heart of entitlement like that, that as they kept walking to the priest, it's like, yeah, that's right, we're healed. God is our provider. We are His holy chosen people. He did exactly what He should do. You know, I think the Samaritan, when he cried out, maybe he had a different attitude. Not one of entitlement, but one of expectation. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. I've heard stories about who Jesus is. I've heard amazing stories of Jesus bringing renewal. What if Jesus might do that in my life? I'm going to cry out with a loud voice because Jesus just might be Jesus in my life. He cries out with a heart of expectation. And again, we see the difference between entitlement and expectation with that loud voice of praise. You know, if we're entitled in our connection with God, it's very unlikely that we're going to be a person of praise. Because we're just going to think that every good thing that God does in us, through us, with us, is something that we deserve. It's something that, yeah, that's God. He should be doing that in my life. And we continue on. I wonder what that wrestle of entitlement and expectation is in us. You know, I think about our history as a church. Some 30 years ago, this building right here that we're sitting in opened it. And it opened because of the faith and prayers of a group of people that believe that God might do more. Some of you are probably still here this morning. You know, I wonder if the prayer in that season of our history was something like this. God, we're about your mission. You should be doing everything you can do to make this as easy as possible. Right? You should give us this facility in Malalu. That one over there, it's gotten, you know, it's not so good anymore. God, you should give us a new facility to make it easy for us to be your people because you're our God. Do you think anyone prayed like that 30 years ago, crying out for Jesus to do more in this suburb, in this place? I highly doubt it. So I think if we were praying like that, I'm not sure this building would have ever opened. You know, I think to our more recent history, opening a new campus in Marawa, did we pray prayers like that? Prayers of entitlement say, God, you should make this as easy as possible. Give us a facility that will make this as easy as possible. God, this is exactly what you should be doing as our God. No, that's not how we prayed. We said, God, might you do something that only you can do amongst us. You know, I remember moments of praise when we gathered together, when that that campus opened. Some of you were there, right? We praised God because He did something amazing. You know, my favorite picture in the Bible of this idea of, of expectation versus entitlement comes from the Old Testament, the story of Daniel. And in fact, his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. You guys remember those three? Cool dudes. There's a moment, they're they're men of God, Jewish men, and they're directed, they're ordered to bow down and worship an idol. And they say, no, we worship, we praise the one and only true God who is alive. And there's a powerful response because the immediate reaction was, okay, then we're throwing you into a fiery furnace. That's a bold statement. Say, no, we're not going to worship this thing that you've made with your hands. 
We worship the one that made all things with his hands. They say, right, you're going in the fiery furnace. And as the story goes on, the cry that comes out from those three guys is to say, you know what, our God can protect us from the fiery furnace. That's just who he is. But, and here it is, expectation versus entitlement. But even if he doesn't, our praise belongs to God alone. What a story. That God has the capacity to do all these things. I don't understand everything about what motivates him, how he operates. But one thing I do know, whether we stand in that furnace and we survive or we stand in that furnace and we die... My praise belongs to God alone. Expectation. A person of expectation will always respond to the provision of God with a loud voice of praise. With a loud voice of praise. I invite the team to come back and join us. You know, I mentioned a little bit earlier that that word Hosanna, comes from a a Hebrew word, which means Savior, which means Savior, that we have a Savior in the highest places, a Savior who has redeemed the most significant problem that I have, separation from God. You know, I think about this story and I reflect upon its meaning in my own life, that Jesus finds himself in this position. He's done this incredible renewing work in the lives of these 10 guys. Only one comes back. And you can almost hear the disappointment in Jesus' voice as he talks with the disciples. Only one's come back to praise. Where are the other nine? Only one out of ten has come back to praise. And the reason Jesus is taken back by it is because he had healed ten out of ten. He'd healed ten out of ten. You know, I think about who we are gathered here this morning. And I'm, remembered, I'm reminded about some truths that I know of Scripture. That for 10 out of 10 of us here this morning, Jesus went to the cross. Right? That for 10 out of 10 of us here this morning, Jesus blew open the tomb. That for 10 out of 10 out of us, Jesus redeemed us. 10 out of 10 have the provision of His grace. 10 out of 10 are made new in the depths of our soul. 10 out of 10 have received the power of His Holy Spirit. 10 out of 10, Jesus has chosen to renew and redeem. But so often, only one out of 10 acknowledges it. Only one out of 10 returns with a heart of praise saying, Jesus, this is what you've done. I wonder if you think about it a little bit differently in your own life for a moment and say, what is the kind of praise I live my life with? Is it a one out of 10 kind of praise that I offer up to God for who He is? Is it a one of 10 out of praise that every now and again when I'm reminded, I'll praise the name of Jesus? Maybe it's a four of 10 out of praise that you put on Hillsong, put on some Bethel, praise Jesus for a few moments in the car. 
Maybe it's a 7 out of, pro- seven out of, seven out of 10 praise. Maybe it's something that every day you're drawn back to the reality of who God is. That you start to wrestle with the truth that sometimes life presents challenges that are difficult to praise through. Maybe it's a 10 out of 10 praise. That even in moments where you face the fire of the furnace, the prayer within you says something like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. God, you have the power to do all things, but even if you don't, I will praise. A 10 out of 10 praise of the soul. You know, that's aspirational for each one of us. To every day take a step towards returning to Jesus with a heart of praise. Can we stand together this morning? The team's going to lead us in that song. Hosanna in the highest place. Savior in the highest place. The Savior of my soul in the highest place. We're going to praise Him this morning. And my prayer is that there'd be a new heart of praise within each one of us acknowledging what Jesus has done. I'm going to pray and we're going to worship this morning. Even in this moment, why don't you just stretch your hands out to God? You might even want to begin to praise Him with your own prayer, with your own voice. You might even begin to acknowledge what He's done in your life. Jesus, I want to thank You that You have renewed each and every one of us. Jesus, we praise You this morning. Jesus, not because of our circumstances that make us feel like it's good or appropriate to praise, but Jesus, because you are the Hosanna in the highest place, we praise, we worship. Jesus, help us to be a people of praise. Come on, church, let's worship this morning. Let's praise him. Hosanna in the highest place.